So there are two words, two words that some of you have been speaking in these last four weeks, two words that can actually change your alignment in life, two words that can actually put you on an unexpected path, two simple words. I'm available. Now, I know the first word is two words together, but don't be picky. (laughs) I'm available. Just say it. I'm available. If you're single, now I went over there. (laughs) I'm available. We've been speaking those words, doing our best to, to repeat those every day, speaking them to God's Holy Spirit. When Pam and I first started dating, I just, I just couldn't wait to be with her. I found every opportunity to be with her. I just needed to be with Pam. I let her know that I was available. I was available to be with you wherever you are, and whatever you're doing, I will, I will, I'll be there wherever you are. I would invent ways of being with her. I worked campus security on our college. I created a fire drill at 11 o'clock at night in her dorm. (laughs) So they all came out, including Pam. Now, I had forewarned her. They all came out. The girls, it was 11 o'clock at night, so the girls had, like, pajama things and and robe things and stuff on their face and, and back then, curler things. But she came out dressed to kill because she knew. So here's what I found out about saying I'm available. When you say I'm available in the context of a relationship, within a relationship, I'm available can become a calling. So Pam and I were good friends for two years, and in September of my senior year in college, we both said to each other, I'm available. So we started hanging out together. In November... Thanksgiving break, I said, I'm available to take you by your home because I'm heading up to Saginaw, Michigan. You live in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I'll drop you off there. So we drove from Springfield, Missouri on the way to Fort Wayne, Indiana. Pam was seated in the front seat next to me in our 64 Nova. And there we were driving, and, and she was eating vegetables. And I said to her, Pam, what do you want for Christmas? She said, I want a carrot. She, she got a piece of a carrot. <laughs> While she was home, Thanksgiving break, she went to register for her wedding. She registered for her china, and they said to her, what is the name of the groom? She said, put down Jack Reisner, but if he doesn't ask, can I change that? <laughs> True story. I did ask on Christmas because I knew she was the one. I'm available became a calling to walk life with her. 
How many of you in here are followers of Jesus? I want to tell you that when you walk with Jesus close enough, following will create a calling. In fact, it is quite obvious. Paul the Apostle makes this statement to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. He says, brothers, think of what you were when you were what? Called. Not many of you were wise by human standards, and not many were influential, and not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so no one may boast before him. You say, whoa, 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 go back, go back. When you were called, when was I called? You were called. The moment it became clear to you that God had chosen to be with you. Solely by his choice. Not because you are so intellectually elite. Not because of your property and your possessions. Not because you are so holy or religious. Not because of your social status. But simply because he chose you on his own volition because he wanted to be with you. The creator of this world wants to be with you. And the moment you understood that, you were hearing his call. Jesus reflected that when he chose these 12 rejects that no rabbi in their right mind would have followed them. Jesus chose them and said, come follow me. And the scripture clearly says he chose them that they may be with him, to hang out with him. Now, there's this amazing thing that when you are being with Jesus, following the rabbi, they had a saying that you get so close to the rabbi and you hang so close to the rabbi that the dust off his sandals gets on you. So they would follow him, and the intent was this. We will see how he lives and live that way. So he would teach him by his, his own example. He would teach them and say, look what I'm doing. Watch this, and they would watch. Then he would say, okay, not only watch, but now do with me what I am doing. And they did with him what he was doing. Then he would say, now you go and do those things, and I'll watch you. And that's exactly what they did. Understand that when there is a calling, and if anyone here has a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you have been called and you have heard his voice. You have heard him say, come be with me. It's all the worship expression this morning. That's why we worship. Worship is a way of, of having a sense of our calling. It is understanding that he said, I will inhabit the praises of my people. We will be together. There is no greater moment to sense his presence, I believe, than in worship. And we experience that this morning. But understand that calling also will generate a relationship-produced mission. When I say I'm available, it will lead me beyond a daily moment. And some of you have been doing it. I'm available today, and we look for the daily moment. It will go beyond a daily moment into a life-shaping mission. It's a calling to live out my life with him, not just for him. 
That is why Paul made this statement to the church in Ephesus. He said, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. So Katie, you were up here earlier. And as you're standing here, I'm thinking, you have a unique personality. You have unique passions. You have unique abilities. Those were created for you, specifically you, for a very unique mission that fits into the community mission. Each of us is like Katie. You are uniquely created by God with your unique abilities and your unique personality. And God says, I have formed you and I've shaped you because I have a mission for you. So here's my question. Assuming that Jesus would give you another 10 years to live, what is your biggest dream? What is your biggest dream? Because if it's just to get through grad school, if it's just to get that new boat, if it's just to get those kids out of the house, <laughs> then I think we're missing our calling. You say, but how do I know what that is? That is why Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit. For here's what Jesus himself said. John recorded it in John 14. The friend, the Greek word is parakletos, the comforter. The Holy Spirit whom the Father will send at my request will make everything plain to you. He remind you of all the things I have told you. He said, this parakletos, this one who comes up alongside of you and walks with you will guide you into understanding what your mission is where your passions should take you, why you've been created the way you have been created, and how it fits into all that Jesus has already taught. So last week, Nicole Schreiber did just a masterful job of, of taking us into that first century city of Antioch, a very, very nasty place. Even the Romans said, hey, don't go there. Stay away. With very, very nasty people, but... Some of those nasty people were being transformed because this Jesus whom you are following was being introduced to them, and he was transforming their lives. So to get a better handle on what's happening in Antioch, the elders in Jerusalem sent a guy named Barnabas, whose, whose very name means, means son of encouragement. He has an incredible pastoral gift, so he goes there, but before he stops there, he stops in Tarsus. Because there's a guy there who was, used to be very, very nasty also. In fact, he was responsible for the deaths and the imprisonment of many followers of Jesus. His name was Saul. Barnabas picks up Saul, who now has had a transformative encounter with Jesus, and his life's been changed, and he's, he's already been preaching and teaching who Jesus is. So he grabs him, and they go to Antioch, and there for a year, they shepherd and they teach. Jerusalem, meantime finds itself in a, in a horrendous drought. People are hungry, so they take a collection in Antioch and say to Barnabas and Saul, take this back down to Jerusalem and deliver it, and so they do. 
And when they come back, the most amazing thing happens. Acts 13 records it for us. And it says this. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have, what? Called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. You better circle that phrase, sent them off. So how, how do you know your calling? How do you know what it is you're supposed to be doing, where your passion's taking you, if God has created you for good works that he's prepared in advance for you to do? I, I think you can identify it, and it comes through this passage. You can identify it this way. Identify the calling with in and out, on and off. So they return, and they go into fasting and prayer. Now let me tell you about fasting for a moment. Fasting is like putting on noise-canceling headphones, where it blocks out all the excess noise so that you can hear the true harmony. When we fast, we are, in effect, pushing out the noise of the culture. We are denying ourselves all of that stuff and saying, I will not listen to it. I won't even listen to my own hunger. And God, I'm ready to listen to you. And then we begin to hear the harmonies of God that we could not have heard previously. And while they're doing that, the Holy Spirit speaks and says, set apart for me these guys to whom I've called. Paul describes that in another way. To the church in Galatia, he says, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That word walk is a verb. It's a locative verb, meaning location. It means walk in the sphere of the Spirit and you will hear the voice of God and not the voices of those things that are anti-Jesus. So you fast, you pray. You think about the Holy Spirit on a continuous basis. You take that which the Holy Spirit uses to energize and change you, which is the Word of God, and you absorb that Word. You read that Word. You do more than just come here on Sunday morning and see a few verses. You saturate yourself. You put yourself in the sphere of the Holy Spirit. And while you're doing that, you will hear the Holy Spirit speak to you, and he will say, this way. I come across people who say, I just don't know what God wants, and I just simply tell them to go wait on him. What does that mean? It means just absorb him. Just say, okay, God, I'm not sure what you want, but I'm just going to be in your presence, and, they, and they'll... They'll put on worship music, they'll read the scripture, and they'll just, they'll, they'll focus on listening to what the Holy Spirit's saying in here. You say, but I'm not sure I can hear the Spirit of God. If you're quiet, you can hear him because he's God. He can speak in a way you'll understand. You're not going to confuse him. It's like you speaking to a toddler. You're not going to give the toddler the theory of relativity but you're going to talk in a way the toddler understands. And in so many ways, we're such toddlers when it comes to understanding who God is. God says, let me tell you in a way you'll understand, but you've got to push out the noise. So first in, be in the sphere of the Spirit. And so they were in this sphere of the Spirit, and the Scripture, scripture says, the, the, God said, now set them aside for that to which I have called them. I want to tell you something. Your calling will not be a surprise to you. He has already been working in you. 
He's already been telling you what's inside of you. You've already been feeling some passions, and you've seen your abilities, and you've seen some success and some things that you've done. Barnabas had already been shepherding people. Saul had already been teaching and preaching. So whatever's already coming out of you, the thing that, that carries you, the thing that you're passionate about, that is already a great indicator of what's inside of you and where it's going. And you'll know, you'll know. Generally, I'll tell you this, if, if you hate listening to people, he's not going to call you to be a counselor. It's just not going to happen. If you get horrendous stage fright, more than likely, he's not going to call you to be a preacher or a teacher. He's already crafted you, and, he's, and, and he has such great wisdom. He said, here, we're going to go this way. So stay within the Spirit. Begin to function in what you already know are the things you enjoy, the things that seem to bring you satisfaction. Let it come out. So then the community recognized what was around them, and they laid hands on them. I want to tell you that your discovery of your mission in life, your calling, is not to be done in a vacuum or a void. It is done within community. I was sitting with a guy last week at lunch, and he began to talk about people he's talking to and things that are happening, and I turned to him and I said, John, you know you're an evangelist, don't you? He said, yeah, I guess I am. I said, man, you are so much, because you just, no matter where you are, you just have this way of relating with people, and Jesus is just right there, and you talk about Jesus and how great he is, and you're, you're, it's already coming out of you. I, as part of the community, have recognized that. So here's the deal. When you have a sense of what's happening in you, already people may be saying to you, if you're in community, do you know you're good at this? And if you have questions, draw the community together and say, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What am I doing? How am I doing? What's going on? And they will affirm that. And then, as you recognize it, give them opportunity to lay hands on you and set you aside for that. Because that, in essence, says, I, I affirm what you're doing. I confirm that it's there. I want your anointing, which is divine ability and authority to function in that ability. Ask the community to walk with you through it. They laid hands on them. And then it said this. They sent them off literally meaning they were released from their present duties. You will find that as you discover what your calling and mission may be, that you must make that your central focus. It is not something you add to everything else you're doing. You now must be able to push away those things that will, what will distract you and drain the resources that God has given you for that mission. Stay focused there. Otherwise, you will never get moving the direction that God wants you. You're going to have to take off some of those things. So Tom owned, in fact, he was a co-owner and an investor in one, one of the successful steakhouses in Southern California. He had invested a lot of money. He was a chef himself, so he actually ran the place. He was co-owner. He, he really enjoyed what he was doing. In fact, the business was so good, it was far exceeding their expectations and their projections, and within three years, he would get all of his investment back plus a huge bonus. But the problem was this, that he had been walking in the Spirit of God 
And he was losing passion for that because God was taking his abilities and pointing him another direction. And he and his wife said, that's not our calling. So to the surprise of his partners, he said, keep the money. I've got to go do what God's called me to do. And so he did. And by the way, be very careful that the trappings of success around you begin to influence you because they will drain you away from your calling. He said the money's not the object. And so he began to follow his calling. You know what he does now? He still cooks. He's still a chef. But he serves drug addicts and the homeless in the city mission. He trains them in the arts of, of cooking and baking. And then he contacts restaurants after he's trained them and helps put them in responsible jobs. And his passion is so ignited. He is so excited. You say, well, doesn't he miss the money? No, because the money doesn't last. The mission does. What is your mission? Be in. Let it come out. Let the community be on you and take off those things that distract. I have this sense, as I've been in prayer for us this week, that there is a window of opening right now for this community of faith. That God is speaking to many of us in here, that he's asking us to step up and have a bolder declaration of our faith and the willingness to walk out of our comfort levels, our comfort zones. Please understand that the church gathering is not a place for you to collect your blessings. It is a training ground for your calling. It is time for us to take the authority and the love of Jesus into a broken world. And God is calling many of us to step up to a new place, a new level. You may say, well, I don't even know if I, if I took a step, what, what that means. I have kind of a sense, but I don't know how that will expand. I don't know what my, my calling is. All right? Here's the deal. If you have an inkling and you have a sense, take your first step. Because I'll tell you this, that every time you walk in faith and you move in faith, your calling will become broader and you will have a greater clarity as you do what you know you should do right now. So Paul and Barnabas know the first step. They're supposed to go and declare who Jesus is in places where he has not been. So Barnabas grabs, they say either a relative or just a close friend, but he grabs John Mark, and they head out on a trip, not even sure where they're going. And so they first head to Cyprus. They're heading to Cyprus, and there they will do whatever they need to do. And from Cyprus, then they will move Antioch to Cyprus to Italia. You can see there. I'm hoping you can see it on the screen. So Cyprus is the island down below. Then they move over to Italia, which is on the left, which is in the region of Pamphylia. And then they moved to Perga. And in Perga, they reach their first great discouragement. Because I want to warn you that a calling will always be tested. Because you think, if I'm following God's calling, then I'm going to be in his favor and things are going to go good and it's going to be wonderful. And Jesus says, no, no, you don't understand that if they attacked me and now you're walking with me and doing my stuff, they're also going to attack you. 
but it doesn't mean because you're attacked, you don't have a calling. In fact, it probably is a pretty good sign you're moving in your calling. I think one of the first places you'll get hit is that you'll have to battle relational conflict. It's at this point in Perga that John Mark abandoned ship. He goes AWOL. Scripture doesn't say why. It could have been he was just homesick. It could be that it was just so intense. It could be jealousy because up to this point, it's been Barnabas who's been leading Saul. And so it's Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul. And now it's switching. And now it's becoming Saul and Barnabas, Saul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas. And Paul becomes the center of all this. And it could very well be that John Mark doesn't like this. And he says, I'm out of here. I, this is just not right. But he, we know that he leaves. I want to tell you this, that when you're walking in your calling, you very well may be abandoned by the people that you trusted the most. It may happen. There will be arguments. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of right relationships, but it doesn't mean that there won't be discussion, there won't be arguments, there may be disagreements. In fact, this became such an inflammatory issue that when Paul and Barnabas finished this journey and began another one, Barnabas wanted to take John Mark again, and Paul said no, and they had a great argument, and they split. Now, the truth of the matter is they came back together again later, and John Mark became important to Paul, but at that moment, they split, but they still followed their calling. Let me tell you that if you get abandoned in your calling, God will always provide a parakletos because he never expects you to walk your calling by yourself. There will be one who comes alongside and will walk with you. He will send someone. In Paul's case, it was Silas. And they went together. I have a friend, we'll call him Carl. Carl had this, this calling, this vision, that he needed to go to South Africa and work in the squatters' camps to deal with the hungry children and the medical issues. In the process, God provided a parakletos, we'll call him Mark, who lives in South Africa. So they teamed up, and they fed thousands and thousands of children. They brought medical team upon medical team in and, and provided where there would be no medical attention otherwise. Thousands of people put their faith in Jesus. But Mark began to decide that he could actually do this better in a better way than Carl could. So there was this disagreement that began, and even arguments and frustrations. And one day, in prayer, God spoke to Carl and said, give it up, give it over, give it to Mark. Now, he has $100,000 in the bank. He's got all sorts of funds and donors, and, and God said, give them all up. I'm not calling you from your mission. I'm changing it. Give it to him. So he gave it to Mark, and i got to tell you today, that ministry is running better than it ever has before. And Mark runs it. What happened to Carl? Carl continued his, his vision and his calling, even though he felt deserted by Mark. And God brought some people along next to Carl, and today Carl has a very effective outreach in the slums of India, dealing with women and children who are being trafficked. I want to tell you, no matter what happens relationally around you, and it will, keep focused on your calling, forgive those who offend, 
and God will bring others alongside, and your calling will continue. We will also battle painful distractions. Right around Perga, there is this region called Galatia. And Paul wrote to them and said, you know, when I first came to you, I came because of illness. Many believe that in Perga, at its lower elevation, Paul contracted malaria. Which makes sense now that he and Barnabas then trekked over the Taurus Mountains, very dangerous mountains, to Antioch, the Pisidian, that's across the mountains at a higher elevation of 3,600 feet so that he could deal with his malaria. They said that, that the pain from this specific malaria is so intense in the head that it's like taking a red-hot piece of iron and, and penetrating the front of your skull or taking a hammer and a chisel and pounding your temples. So when, when Saul ended up in Pisidian Antioch, he was extremely sick. But I want to tell you that it did not mean because of his sickness that his call was revoked. He still continued the best he could in the call that God had given him. And began to make a difference there. I want to tell you that even if you're dealing with sickness today, God will still use you in your calling. No matter where you are, no matter how severe, he will use you. Now, forgive me for this comparison, but you guys know this guy. Let's put him up on the screen. You know Justin? Baby, baby? Justin Bieber just began a, a new tour. He got sick one night and vomited twice on stage and finished the concert because he owed it to his fans. And I think this helps because there was payment. So if Justin Bieber can throw up twice and just go through his sickness and please his fans because he owes it to them, what can we do in the midst of our sickness because of what we owe Jesus, the one who changed our life? So I want to tell you, you may even deal with painful distractions, move through them with your calling. We will also battle unforeseen rejection. So Paul and Barnabas are in Pisidian Antioch, and they begin to talk about Jesus, and it's so well received that the next Sabbath, the entire town shows up, and they have wonderful results, but their brothers, their Jewish brothers are jealous of the success, so they begin a, a campaign of slander and put this wall of resistance between Paul and what they desire to do. I want to tell you that sometimes you will find resistance that may even be your own family. Irene had this call. She wanted to get to that call, but she had a husband, Domingo, who was this resistance, this rejection, this pain. He abused her. She said that she would pray about him. She would pray about him driving off a cliff. That was her prayer, so that the pain would stop. But she continued to believe that God had called her to a specific thing. And so she kept praying that God would find a way, and somehow, I don't know how, but Domingo had an encounter with Jesus that radically changed his life. And now she says he's the most godly man she knows. So he picked up on her passion. They moved together in the calling. And the calling was this. They had read in the scripture where it said that we are responsible to take care of orphans. 
So Irene and Domingo have fostered 32 children. They've adopted 16. And they discovered that their house was too small. So they had to put on addition, and they didn't have the money for that. They, because she's a hairdresser, and, and, and he just has a, a, a minimum wage job. So she was praying one day, and she said, God, you know, and, and what, what are you going to do? And, and we need to have this addition, and how are we, how are we going to pay for it, and who's going to do it? And she looked up, and she saw a sign advertising a contractor, and she said, Lord, is, is, that, is that the guy? Well, that next week, that guy whose name she saw happens to be a follower of Jesus who heard about what they were doing, went to her house, and said, we will do the addition absolutely free. I want to encourage you that even though you may feel rejected, you keep moving ahead in your calling because God has a plan. Sometimes the resistance you feel will clarify the calling. Do you know why we sit here today? Why you've heard about Jesus? Because Paul and Barnabas were rejected by their brothers. And when that happened, they didn't say, oh, I guess we're done. Oh, it's not worth it. I'm so broken. Paul said, because you have resisted and rejected, we will now go to the Gentiles. And suddenly Paul had the clarity of his calling. He was called to be with Gentiles. And he traveled the known world and into Rome. And because of what he did, we today have heard the message. Sometimes what may be painful in your calling is only God's way to steer you in the right place. I have this saying that says it's a whole lot easier to steer a ship untied from the dock than one that's still tied there. So start on your journey, and God will steer you, even through your pain and rejection, to a clarity of what he's called you to do. Saying I'm available is not for sissies or phonies. Because Jesus is going into tough places so he can heal some desperate people, and he wants us to go with him. So I repeat this, Jesus' church is not a place of gathering for blessings, but it is a training ground for our calling. It's time to take God's authority and his love into a broken world. So I ask you again, if Jesus gives you 10 more years to live, what is your biggest dream? What is your calling? Would you stand? So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Are you willing to say, I'm available? Which means I'm available to be with you, Jesus. I'm going to spend more time with you and get in the sphere of the Spirit. I'm going to cut out moments. I'm going to turn off the TV. I can DVR that thing or not even watch it, but I'm going to take some segments of time. I'm going to get up a half an hour early. I'm going to skip lunch. I'm going to fast. I'm going to do whatever's necessary, but I'm going to get in the sphere of your Spirit. I want to be with you and hear your voice. And as you do that, I'm available means this. You've got to determine where you are in your call. Is it just now a matter of being in and then being able to hear God's voice? Is it a matter of 
realizing now what's coming out of you and getting confirmation and having people pray over you? Or is it you already know that you just need to get rid of some stuff and get focused where God has called you? And you keep putting it off, thinking somewhere down the road something's going to change. It's not going to change until you move. But I will tell you again, God is calling people from this community of faith to become more bold in their faith and get out of their comfort zones. And that may be you. And I believe there's this window of opening that God has for us, and he will not. Because sometimes God says, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait, and then he goes, I'm moving on. And you don't want to live in regret. I'm not trying to, to be Debbie Downer. I'm going to tell you that sometimes that happens. He says, I asked you, you didn't do it. I moved to another person. And you don't want to miss your calling. So right where you are right now, I want you just to, to focus between you and God, and I want you to see him looking at you. And I want you to be able to say to him, I'm available. And know that you have begun a journey that will put you on an unexpected path. But it will align you with his purpose for your life. What say you? And now may you walk in the Holy Spirit. May you have clarity of his calling. May you have the courage to let go of that which seems so comfortable. And may you go beyond your fear into his love. And may you change the world God has designed for you to touch. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.